We're going to be doing a little bit of a two-part series. Uh, it's called The Rapture Hidden in the Feast of Trumpets. Because as they were talking about that, I was really getting excited. I was like, man, this is my favorite topic. Maybe I can fit this in. Uh, and, you know, so that's kind of what we, were, we we want to talk about now. I want to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. You know, I feel like when we go into the Word of God and learn uh, more about the historical side, the, the, the Jewish side of things, it opens our eyes because we're in a Western mindset. We just, we need to realize that the Bible is a Middle Eastern book. And when you read it, you got to learn about the times and all these things because it speaks to us today. So having said all that, Brandon had talked about being heavenly minded, right? And then Pastor Bobby talked about, are we living in the end times? Now, the next event on the horizon is called the rapture of the church. Now, this is very exciting because it's like a bride getting ready for her actual ceremony. So that's why it's good to be excited about it. You know, I want to read the two scriptures that, that talk about the rapture. In case you don't know what it is, it's in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, right there, that means those that are in the grave right now, their soul and spirit have gone to be with God. And at the rapture of the church, when the trumpet blows, the dead body, the physical body, will come out to meet the soul and spirit in the air. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to be with them in there. That's what that scripture is saying. It says, for this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of a command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and are left will be caught up together. This is, this is where we get the word rapture. It's not in the, in the Bible, but it's, it's the, uh, the picture of it. In Latin, it's harpazo, which means to be caught up. Okay, so people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the word Bible is not in the Bible. <laughs> the word millennium is not in the Bible. It's translated. You, you see what I'm saying? So... So just because it's not an English word in the Greek does not mean it does not exist. It's the principle. It's the picture. The catching away, being caught up. Or you can call it the resurrection of the dead. It's the same event. People that say, I don't believe in the rapture, what they're saying is, I don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And it's the same event. Okay, you, when you die, you're resurrected and you, and you, you, you go to heaven. You either go to heaven or you, or you go to the great white throne judgment and you go into the lake of fire. We, we've spoken about that before. So at least we understand. Now it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now let's look in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Now we will be, you know, in quite a few places. So just relax and just kind of look at the screen unless you want to flip through your Bible. Because this is, like I said, more of a teaching. All right. Everybody good with that? Ready to go? Okay. First Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Now we see this is another picture of the rapture. Okay. But notice it says at the last trumpet. We'll look at that in a minute. So. 
Next week, we will be looking at the Jewish wedding and how that is a picture of the rapture. Because really, if you understand these two, it kind of cements what you believe about the coming of the Lord. So what are feasts? First of all, they're a memorial. They're a memorial to God dealing and delivering the Jewish people. In Exodus twelve fourteen, it says, This day shall be for you a memorial, and you shall keep it as the feast of the Lord throughout your generations as a statue forever. You shall keep it as a feast. We have that too. We have Memorial Day, 4th of July. These are memorials of what, you know, our, our nation being born, uh, uh, being coming into existence. Memorial Day, our brave soldiers that have fought and shed their blood so we can sit here today. Praise God for them. Now, Leviticus 23, 1 through 2, I want you to look at something here. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord. Okay, it doesn't say the Jewish feast. It says that you shall proclaim to them as holy convocations and they are appointed feast. Now, here's where it gets kind of interesting if you like to do word studies. The word feast is moed. Okay, now that means an appointed time, a fixed time or season or a festival. We have festivals here, but I don't think they really memorialize anything except like sugar cane or boudin. (laughs) We have New Iberia sugar cane. Okay, now, but these are feasts which are merely dress rehearsals. That's what that's what it means. And there's also convocations. It means a public meeting or rehearsal. Now, this this word is mikra, which means a public meeting or rehearsal. So God is telling us that he put these feasts in their rehearsals. They're rehearsals for something. Now, notice these are not Israel's. They are God's. Okay? There are seven feasts, and that's what we're going to talk about. Genesis 1, 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Now, when we look at that word seasons, it's, we normally say winter, spring, summer, fall. You know, that's how we, that's how we look at it. But that word season is once again, moed. It's the same word. You see, in the translation, it's the, they use two different words, but it means the same thing. And remember in, I don't know if you were here for the blood moons message, we talked about signs. They meant signals. So God uses the sun and the moon for signals to tell us something. Okay? Everybody good? All right. So there's two words, feast and seasons, but they're both moed, which means appointed time and festivals. So God is saying that when he created the world, he set in motion appointed times and feasts. Now, Colossians 2, 16 through 17, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Listen to this part. These are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You see that? So can we keep the feast today? Well, there's no temple in Israel and we're Gentile. But if they're if they're the Lord's feast. We keep them because Christ was a law keeper. He was able to fulfill the law. So in Christ, we fulfill everything that was required. Because remember, the Bible says that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. It's just believers now. Now, when you look at these seven feasts, this is the deal you have to understand. Jewish people, they looked to the moon 
to tell where they were or their, their, their festivals and, and, and their seasons because pagans worshiped the sun. So God didn't want them having anything to do with the sun. So he put them on a lunar calendar. Does everybody understand that? Okay. Now, I want to say something here too. Revelation 13 verse 8 says, Whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, when you look at this, Jesus in the mind of God was crucified from the beginning of time. In other words, God created man. He knew that he would fall, so he already had a plan. So anytime you look in the Old Testament and you see sacrifices and all those things, that's the picture of the truth. You see, we're not trying to line Jesus up to the festivals and the laws and all this. Jesus is, that was preordained, that was foreordained. So Jesus is the perfect picture. The festivals and, 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 uh, and sacrifices and all these things are the picture that's pointing to the real thing, not backwards. Okay? So that, I wanted you to, to understand that. Because I'm going somewhere with this. Okay? Hold on. Psalms 89, 37. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. Now, remember, I just said, once again, we're looking at Hebrews, Hebrews 10.1. For since the law is a shadow of the good things. Are we seeing that God does things to show us things? Okay, because that's where you don't want to miss. Listen, the word of God is amazing. It's life changing. When you can read and study and see these things, man, it'll make you shout for joy. You'll, You'll walk away. Man, you cannot exhaust the Bible. You, you can't read it and have everything figured out. There's, there's simple verses we still are, are plowing to try to understand. Now, let's look at the seven feasts. Number one, the Feast of Passover. Okay, the Feast of Passover. This is the in Leviticus 23, verse 5. It says, in the first month of the 14th day of the month, at the twilight is the Lord's Passover. Now, the Passover happened in Egypt. You remember when the, when the children of Israel, when they got, Moses had told them to put the, the blood on the doorpost, that the death angel would pass over them. That's where, that's where Passover is for. So the feast of Passover is a memorial, a memorial to that day. Now, the fulfillment is Jesus. Jesus died on Passover. Okay, he was put on the cross at nine and he hung there till three. The morning sacrifice was at nine and and the the evening sacrifice was at three. Jesus was fulfilling that. In fact, I thought it very interesting that there is something called the Hallel, which is Psalms 113 through 118. And a lot of times when the Jewish people would celebrate these feasts, they would sing these. And you'll notice that they sung a hymn when they were leaving the the the, uh, the upper room and they were crossing over during the Garden of Gethsemane. They were singing the Hallel. And when they were putting Jesus, when they were binding him, listen to the song that they would have been singing at that time. Psalm, Psalms 118 verse 27. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up on the horns of the altar. Could you imagine all the Jewish people singing this song as our Lord and Savior is being tied to the cross? That's a picture that was God-ordained. Remember that. And from from, from uh, 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, remember there was darkness over, the, over everything. It was, it was dark. 
And that's around the ninth hour, three o'clock. And, and Jesus said, why hast thou forsaken me? Remember? And then he passed away. So God is very meticulous at keeping his appointed times. Number two, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In Leviticus 23, 6, it says, On the 15th day of the same month, the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord, for the seven days you shall eat of unleavened bread. Remember, leavened bread was a picture of sin. So, so during this time, they were supposed to eat bread that was not leavened, which was a picture of Jesus being sinless. Now think of that. Numbers 33, 3 through 4. I'll just kind of sum it up because we need to go a little quicker. You remember when the day after the Passover, the Egyptians had to bury their firstborn. Well, if you fast forward, when Jesus died on the cross on Passover, the next day was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And guess what happened? The firstborn was put in the tomb, fulfilling the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This was a picture of Jesus in the grave. Then the Feast of first fruits, number three. And uh, Leviticus 23, 9 through 11, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruit to the priest and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. Now, this is a picture of the Jewish people basically resurrecting out of Egypt, becoming a nation, becoming, you know, walking with with the provisions of God. Jesus rose from the grave. As the firstborn of many brethren on the feast of first fruits. Jesus once again fulfilling that. And it tells us this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So you see, isn't that amazing? And then if you read in verse 23, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. That means us. He is the first fruit of the resurrection. So you see that he's fulfilling this. Now, number four, the Feast of Pentecost. Now, this is 50 days later. If, if you don't remember the story in, in Exodus, am I going too fast for you? I'm just kind of getting to, we're going to the Feast of Trumpets and we're going to park there. You remember during this time, this is where the golden calf happened. Remember Moses was on the, on the, was on the mountain with God. And then he came down, saw the golden calf, and there were 3,000 people that died that day during the Feast of Pentecost. Now, fast forward 1,500 years later, during the Feast of Pentecost, you have the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days later after Passover. And what did Peter do? He preached and 3,000 people got saved. So you see how God is amazing, how God is perfect, how he has everything. So anything that you're worried about, if God is that meticulous through a long period of time in history, he could be meticulous in our 70 years, our 80 years, whatever it is that we're going through. I want you to understand, you don't have to worry if God is in control. God pays attention to every jot and tittle of your life. That is the life application for you. Now, then there's three fall feasts. Okay, we just talked about the first four. Jesus fulfilled these to the day, to the hour. Now you have the, the Feast of Trumpets, the, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Trumpets is a picture of the rapture of the church. Now, listen, 
I am not saying that Jesus Christ will fulfill that on the day of the hour of the Feast of Trumpets. Let's be, you know, let's come out and say that right off hand. There are some that say that. I'm not telling you that. Okay, do we understand that? I don't want, he set in date. I'm not setting a date. I'm just telling you. I'm, I want to show you the picture, the mystery within the feast. I'm not telling you a time period. Okay, Jesus fulfilled the first four, but that does not mean that God has to fulfill. It's one of those things that you look back at when prophecy, you know, if you study prophecy, you can't look forward and say, that's this, that's that. It's not a like, oh, I figured this out. It's really that you look back and when you see something happen, you say, that's the Bible. You're always really looking back and saying, okay, this is what happened. This is truth. And what that does is it rises your faith to see and to know that God is really on the move on this earth. Amen. Now, as we keep going, the Feast of Trumpets is called Rosh Hashanah. It, and what this picture is, is self-examination repentance. Okay, that's what this means. And it's also the time of the wedding of the Messiah, which we'll talk about next week. Now, in this time period, the Jewish people say, Lord, remember Abraham and Isaac. We are his offspring. Be merciful to us. This is how they view it. Okay, we're going to talk a lot about what they see, how they see it. You know, having gone to Israel is fascinating when you see the way that they see the Bible. And, and we, we, cause we look everything at everything through a Western mindset. Now, he says in Leviticus 23, 23 to 24, it says, speak to the people of Israel saying in the 17th month on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial with blast of trumpet, trumpets, which would be a holy convocation. Now, I'm not a Jewish person, so I'm going to say some of this stuff wrong. <laughs> but I do want you to see something. Psalms 81.3, blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time of the appointed solemn feast day. Okay, let me explain Rosh Hashanah to you. What happens during Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. In other words, all the feasts are based on keeping the timing, the appointed feast. So this feast, interestingly enough, is known as the feast when no man knows the day nor the hour. Okay? Now, don't jump ahead. <laughs> but this is what happens. They, during the Feast of Trumpets, remember I tell you it's repentance. The next feast is the Day of Atonement. So the Jewish people have to keep the Feast of Trumpets. So they do not go into the judgment of God, which is a picture of the Great Tribulation. Then you have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the seventh feast, which is a picture of the Lord coming down and ruling and reigning on the millennial reign, which is a picture, is the only picture where the Jew and the Gentile celebrate the feast together. That's fascinating. That's our future. Okay, everybody's with me? All right. So what would happen is the rabbis were like, we got to keep this feast. So we get to the 29th, 30th, or 31st. You know how our calendar does. Well, when they were scattered, they lost all, all that ability, so they had to go back and watch the moon. So what the rabbis did, when the, when the 29th, 30th, or 31st came, they considered it a long 48-hour day. Because during that time, 
You ever, there, there's a, a Hebrew word called the Ra, Ra Kodesh, and it means the born again moon. This is what happens. You see the sliver of a moon and it goes through a cycle. It goes, it goes, uh, sliver of the moon, then it gets full, then it goes back dark, and then it starts another month. That sliver is called a new moon. So anytime you see new moon in the Bible, that's what it's talking about. So what they would do is they would take two witnesses. The Sanhedrin would say, this is what we need you to do. When this time period comes, take these trumpets, go to a mountain. And when you see that sliver of the moon, blow the trumpets. And they would blow a hundred trumpet blasts. And when they saw the sliver of the moon, it was called the last trump. It was called the Takiya Hagodalah. When you look in the book of Exodus, the Bible talks about Moses. Remember, it says God came down and Moses went up. That's an Old Testament picture of the rapture. And it says the trumpet grew loud and longer. So you see that when you see how when you see pictures of, of, of the Old Testament come alive in the New Testament, how it's like, wow, look how awesome God is. So during this time, this is the cool part about it. I hope I'm not boring you. Okay. This is the cool part about it. When they blow the trumpet, everyone would drop what they're doing and they would run to the temple. And they would get ready for the day of atonement. Is that not a picture of the rapture? When they blow the trumpet, we go and we go into God's presence. And I'm not trying to get on pre mid post. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says. They are, because as we keep going, you'll see that they are hidden during the time of God's judgment. So you see how the picture of the Feast of Trumpets is a picture of the rapture. And I thought it was interesting. It says, remember it says in Psalms 89 verse 37, like the moon, it shall be a witness and establish a faithful witness in the sky. What does the Bible say? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Could God possibly be using the moon to speak to us? I mean, we looked at the blood moons. We looked at all that. I mean, that's definitely very much so biblical. So you see how awesome and interesting it is when you start looking at the Bible and you start seeing the things happening around us. God is telling us to watch. You know, sometimes we're like, well, we don't know when he's coming back. You know, Pastor Bobby did a great job talking about that, you know, that no man knows the day, nor the hour. And he comes as a thief. And we're going to kind of look at that. But I think that it's very interesting when you take you, you, you remember, you know, Pastor Todd's talking about the parables. Jesus used things around him to teach truth. So there was a Jewish idiom going around that no man knows the day nor the hour. So could it be, now that's two schools of thought, and I'm not saying I believe one or the other, so I'm not trying to tell you what to believe either. But isn't that interesting when you go to Israel and you ask them, hey, what does that mean? That's the Feast of Trumpets. Now, I'm not saying the Jewish people are right in that area, but it does make you think. You know, I get excited, you know, like Pastor Brandon said, I look every single day. So when the Feast of Trumpets comes, I'm like, oh, God, that would be amazing if you came during this time. But no man knows the day nor the hour. You know, so you see how it's interesting. Once again, two schools of thought. Now, but let me tell you something. The only way we'll know is if the Feast of Trumpets comes and we go. We'll be in heaven and we'll be like, oh, that's what it meant. And if not, because you, you got to understand, the Lord could come back at any time. You know, these people that say, well, brother, I'm going to just, I'm going to watch. And when I see that, you know, it's getting close, I'm going to get right. You can't fool God. 
God's not going to say, oh, I see you're not playing games anymore. So even if we did know a time period, because we can know a season, we're in a season. You see that. All you have to do is watch the news. You see that we're closer and closer to the time of the end. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch what? Everything that's going on. That we, remember, he says that we are not in darkness. So that means we need to keep watching. So just because somebody would be like, oh, we're getting closer to the end, I'm going to get right. God knows the motive of the heart. You know, we want to go to the Lord and ask him to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us simply because he is a holy God and we do not want to offend him. And we need him. We, we need him to save us and to change us. Now I want to show you something in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trump will sound and the dead will be raised. Now, Paul wrote this in about A.D. 54. Okay, and you have the, because some people say, well, that's the last trumpet in the book of Revelation or the middle trumpet. Remember, there's seven seals, seven trumpets, and uh, seven bowls. But John wrote that in 96 A.D. So Paul is writing about a last trumpet. So he couldn't have been talking about the last trumpet in the book of Revelation. That was written 42 years later. So could it be that he was telling them about the Feast of Trumpets? Not giving them a time period, but showing him the, showing them the fulfillment. That's why he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 4, Now concerning the times and seasons, here we go with that times and seasons. You have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. People stop there and say, oh, don't watch. There's no need for it. But keep going. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But look at what it says. But you are not in darkness that that day should overtake you like a thief. So go to context. Thessalonians. Notice no one ever questions Paul in any of his writings what the last trumpet is. Jewish people knew what that meant. So no one questioned him and he's telling them, but brother, I don't need to tell you about, look, times and seasons. Same thing, but it's in the Greek, meaning I don't need to tell you about these special occasions or these time, these appointed times. So could it be that he was telling him, giving them a picture, not a time period? Okay, now, who is he coming as a thief to? Pastor Bobby hit on this, and I want to kind of talk about it again. Revelations 3, verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If therefore you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I come upon you. Now, who is he coming as a thief to? The sleeping church. The church that is not paying attention. I told Brent, you know, God's not going to sneak up on me. You can ask my wife. I'm always watching. I'm going outside. I'm looking. I don't want you to think I'm stalking God, but. Okay, Matthew 24, 48 through 50. Listen to this. But if the evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and shall begin to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that slave will come on an hour when he does not expect him. Notice that the wicked slave, he's not watching. So he's saying the master of that slave will come in an hour when he does not think. 
Matthew 25, 11 through 13. Remember the story about the foolish virgins. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered, said, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what day or hour that he's coming. So once again, the foolish virgins, but the wise virgins, which are us, hopefully we have our already. We're waiting on the groom. Right. That's what it's a picture of. So. Once you understand that, you see how God's not intending to really sneak up on us. He's wanting us to stay prepared. Listen, people that believe the Lord could return at any moment do evangelism. They're telling people. They, they're not saying, oh, I feel like I'm going to be on this earth forever. We don't know. The Lord could come back during one of the feasts. It could just be a picture of the feast and he could come back today. He can come back tomorrow. We do not know. Now, there are other names for it. And I'm going to go through this very, very quickly. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the day is so great, there is none like it. It's a time of distress for Jacob, but he shall be saved out of it. Okay, this is, this is why I want to talk about this. Because I talk to people sometimes and they don't want to talk about the, the last days because they're scared. They say, oh, I, I'm just afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. But listen, when you understand that God loves you, that, that Jesus Christ is our is our our groom that the church is the bride of Christ that God is our heavenly father that we are his children right we understand that so what happens during this time it's called it's also called the feast of trumpets it's called it's called the day of the awakening blast and it's also called the hidden day isn't that ironic it's called the hidden day and we just talked about the day when no man knows the day nor the hour so Listen, I want to talk about Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility, and it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. You see? Okay, let's go again. We're going to stop in Isaiah 26. We're we're about to be done here, okay? Praise God. You're not supposed to be happy with that. You're supposed to want to keep going. Isaiah 26, 17 through 21. Now listen to this. This is an Old Testament picture of the rapture because this is what people say. The Old Testament, it has to be in both, and it is. I just showed you that in the, 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 with Mount Sinai, that was a picture. But listen what it says in Isaiah 26, 17, 17 through 21. As a woman with child is in the pain and cries out her pangs, when she draws near to the time of her delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Listen, your dead shall live together with my body. They shall rise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. Amen. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. What is that a picture of? That's the resurrection. Take refuge from the coming judgment. Listen, verse 20. Come, my people, enter into your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little while until the indignation is past. Listen to this. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity the earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Five things to remember here. 
first one is in verse 17. Remember, it says, this is birth pangs preceding the coming of the Lord. Number two, you see in verse 19, the rising from the dust. Number three, enter your rooms as verse 20. Remember what Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms, many dwelling places. Verse four, I mean, part four, we are behind closed doors in verse 20. So I hope that's given you some excitement. The Bible says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, where do we see this in the Old Testament? Remember Genesis? And what, what happened with Noah? They entered into the ark. And what happened? God shut the door. Remember with Joshua, Rahab, it says, then if any go, anyone goes out of the doors into your, into the street, his blood shall be in his own hand. So once again, you see a picture of being spared from, from judgment. Remember the foolish virgins. Remember that it says, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Remember Revelation 4.1. John says, I saw a door in heaven standing open. And then what did he say? Come up here. So you see the door. And then you see the Lord is coming out to punish. So you see a picture in the Old Testament of the Lord coming out and the saints being hidden. So you see how it's an Old Testament picture. Now, we're closing here. Are we hidden during the wrath? Because this is a, a question that I, I, I talked with someone this very week about. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep. That's a picture of being alive or sleeping. We should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one each other, comfort each other with these words. Listen, First Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. Let's let the Bible teach, okay? Listen, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. Now, people say, well, you know, we all suffer wrath. No, we suffer tribulation. Believe me. Miscarriages is tribulation. Sickness and suffering is tribulation. It's not God's wrath being poured out on you. God's wrath being, if you look at the book of Revelation, the first 42 months is the wrath of the lamb. The second 42 months is the wrath of God. That's wrath. So what did Jesus die to save us from? The coming wrath. It says the coming wrath. What is the coming wrath? The coming wrath is the the tribulation period. So Revelation 6, 16 through 17, fall on us and hide us from the face who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. So do you see this? Listen, you look at the Old Testament with Abraham. You look at the Old Testament with Noah, with Lot, right? Rahab, they were under law. And yet God spared them. Revelation 14, 6, for he himself also drank of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength through the cup of his indignation. You see all the stuff going on. People are just living and it's going to get to a point where people won't even repent anymore. Because when, when you see all these, when they see all these things happening and it says, and they repented not. You see that right now in the heart of man. It's getting worse and worse and people are getting more and more hard hearted. Well, all that's happening is that cup is getting fuller and fuller 
and fuller, and eventually it will be poured out. First Thessalonians 1.10, wait for his son from heaven, whom was raised from the dead. Jesus, who delivers us from what? The wrath to come. So I just want you to see there's a parallel there that you don't have to worry. Listen, be happy. You are living and I am living in the best days on the face of this earth. Listen, our master could come back at any moment. We can soar through these clouds and stand on streets of gold. It does not matter what is weighing you down today. I talk to people all the time that are dealing with sickness and the the passing of a loved one. I'm like, you don't have, you don't know if you're going to see them the next day. The Lord could come back. That's why he says in Luke, be praying at all times that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are coming on the earth. And stand before the Son of God. What are all of these things? Everything he talks about in Luke 21, 8 through 34. Go, go back and read that. You will see. Now, this is the end. <laughs> Listen. I read a scripture in Ezekiel that really kind of sent it home for me. Ezekiel 14, 13, 13 through 14. Son of man, suppose the people of, of the country were to sin against me. And I lifted my fist to crush them, cutting off their food supply and sending a famine to destroy both people and animal. Listen to this. I love this part. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, their righteousness would save no one but themselves. So you see, their righteousness was enough to get them away from the wrath of God. But why? Their faith was in the one to come. If you read their, their, their teachings, if you read all about the Bible, they were always looking for the Messiah. You get saved in the Old Testament the same way you get saved in the New Testament. They were looking forward to the Messiah. We're looking back at the Messiah. But it's, it's the, it's Jesus. Jesus is the great jewel of eternity, of the Bible. Now, here's the last verse. Hebrews 8, 6 through 7. This could be one of your favorite verses. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have no, there would, there would, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Listen, we're part of a greater covenant, the new covenant, which is really the covenant. So when you're dealing with something, can we stand? We're about to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed this. Listen, this stuff pumps me up. Amen. Praise God. Like, man, when I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling like, you know, I got skinny jeans. I mean, I go and I just start reading. Man, I'll go in Brandon's office and start talking to him. About, like, it, it's enough to pump you up. Listen, God can come back at any moment. I don't know if you understand that or really get that, but listen, I love Jesus. I know you love Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing to look at Jesus in the face? Grab his face. And say, Lord, I love you. And we never have to be apart. Amen. Praise God. Look, I hope, I know I'm getting sidetracked here, but sometimes I think like, man, 
you know, we start to think like, I wonder if I'm going to have to like share him with, you know, with, I wonder if Brandon's going to have to be, talk to him too. And <laughs> now nah, I'm joking. Listen, I just want to spend eternity with the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you could say, I don't even know if where I would go to spend eternity with the Lord. Listen, this is not a matter of, of death anymore. This is a matter of being taken up. I mean, we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know how long we have. We don't know when he's going to come back. No man knows the day nor the hour. But we live every single day as if he could come back. Listen, he can come back while I'm on this stage before we walk out of here. Are you ready to meet him? Because listen, Jesus is ready to meet you. Think about it. As we're going to look next week as the groom waiting his bride. I don't think Jesus is in heaven like, man, it'd be nice to go down there and get him, dad. I think he's like, boy, I can't wait to have my people around me so I can interact. If you look at the Bible, God was always getting back, hanging out with us. We blew it in the garden. He said, I already have a problem with a, a fix for that. He establishes this system. Then you have the sacrificial system. Then you go through all of history and God is reaching down through Moses, covering his people with a cloud by day and fire by night. God interacting. Then he he has them build the temple. Remember the temple, the outer court, inner court and the holy of holies. God has always lived in a three room house because you know what you are. You are a picture of a temple. You're the outer court. The inner court is your soul and your spirit is the holy of holies and God lives on the inside of you but how awesome will it be one day when you're standing before the very king of glory and you say Lord we get to hang out for the rest of our lives that will be an amazing time listen you should be pumped if not you don't know the Lord come on the Lord can't can't get in you through the power of the Holy Spirit and not move and motivate you come on are you motivated tonight is anyone that does not know the Lord, let me see your hand. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. I know that Wednesday nights generally has, you know, everybody knows the Lord. But look, let me pray for you right now. Father, we come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I lift up every person here. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would give them that fire in their heart, that fire in their soul, God. Father, we wake up every day just wishing you to come back, God. We know that the world is shunning you, is trying to push you. But Father, we're asking you. Come on, ask God right now. Lord, split the skies and come back to get your church. Father, we ask that you would ignite a fire in us, God, to reach out to those around us. Come on, we don't want anybody left behind. We want to reach out to our family, our co-workers. Come on, God is saying, watch and pray. Are you watching? Are you praying? We've just talked about some things to watch for. Watch and pray that we be counted worthy. Come on, other people around us would be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth. Father, I thank you right now. Seal this word in their heart. Lord, I'm asking for an an anointing, God, to rest upon them, God, to give them eyes to see, to give them, to ever keep that, that in their heart, in their soul, that, that anticipation, God, that anticipation, let it override depression, discouragement, 
addictions of any kind. Let let that, that presence override sickness, God. Fathers, we await your blessed coming. The Bible says that that is our blessed hope. Our hope is in you, God. So, Father, we thank you right now for the privilege to be in your kingdom, to, for the privilege to say that you are our Lord and you are our master. In Jesus' name, I pray and, and thank you, God. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.